Father, we do exalt thee. We thank you for all you do for us, for your son who died for us, for your watch care over us each and every day. I pray that you would be with this message tonight, that you would give the words to this audience that they need to hear, that you would help me, that I can do my best to share my heart with them. Pray that you would continue to bless this service as we've already felt you here. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, by the way, my grandson came to hear me tonight, and so we're, <laughs> we're hoping that he'll let my daughter hear me, but he may not. <laughs> so, but I don't mind the squeals, <laughs> because he's my grandson. So, uh, as I was preparing for tonight, I thought about a story that I heard one time. This was before, before internet times, and I actually um, put that story in a newsletter to my friends and family, you know, the one time I communicate a year. And uh, I looked for that story. I could not find that story. I went on the internet and I put in the words, it's about a parrot, and I put in water and hair dryer and, I don't know, something else. And I thought, well, that'll just narrow it right down. There were like 55,000 hits. <laughs> Who would think? And I actually never got the story, so I'm going to try to do it from memory. Uh, there was a lady who wanted to clean out her parrot's cage. And she couldn't catch the bird, so she decided she would just vacuum out the bottom with the bird in, in the cage. But in the process, she sucked that parrot right up into the vacuum. And just horrified, she just took the vacuum apart, tore open the bag, rescued that poor little bird, and he was still breathing. And so she, he was just covered with dirt. And so she rushed him to the sink and stuck him under the water. And then she looked at him and said, oh my word, I, he's all wet. Now I have to dry him off. So she went and got the hair dryer and blew him dry. Okay, now, as I think about that, that little parrot, he had been sucked up, drowned, and blown away. And sometimes in our lives, we feel like that, don't we? And the, the particular year that I put that story in, her, in our newsletter, I, I put that in there and I said, this really describes the year. We have been sucked up, drowned, and blown away. And I hate to tell you this, but sometimes the ministry is like that too. I am really going to encourage you, can you tell? <laughs> um, and, and I thought tonight that since ministry has those times, uh, just in case you ever wanted to quit the ministry, I would just go ahead and give you five reasons for quitting the ministry. And then you wouldn't have to think them up. You wouldn't have to work at it. You know, just come back to our website. It'll be on tape. And you'll say, what was one of those reasons? So here we go. Here are the top five reasons for leaving the ministry. The first one is, 
I'm really not adequate for the task. The second one is, this is harder than I thought it would be. The third one is, why am I here anyway? The fourth one is, I didn't know I'd be required to do that. And the fifth one is, the people that God gave me are too much pain and trouble. Now, that, that's kind of interesting because people are kind of why we go into the ministry and they're kind of why we leave the ministry. Okay, It works both ways. But what these really all amount to is dissatisfaction with the way that God has chosen to build your character. My all-time favorite reason for leaving the ministry uh, was from um, a gentleman that went to school with my husband. And he was a very successful student. I mean, everybody just thought he is the one that's going to go out and, and do great things, and he did. He went out, he um, started a new church within less than 10 years. His church, over 500 people in his church. It was just an amazing ministry. Well, about that time, he was called to a larger, more prestigious church, and he left his church that he had started. He went to the next one, and that was where the saints decimated him. And he said, the reason he went to go sell something, that's usually what happens. He said, this just isn't fun anymore. And, and as ridiculous as that seems, we all kind of understand that, don't we? It just isn't fun anymore. I thought of several biblical examples of this, but I decided Moses, he did them all. You know, all top five reasons. And so as I was, as I was looking for how I wanted to relay that story, uh, I looked in the message, and, and how it's related in there is, is really, it sounds like a bunch of us when we get unhappy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back through the list again, and I'm just going to read that portion of the scripture from the message and as an illustration to that point. The first one was, I'm really not adequate for the task. This is really self-doubt and doubting God's call. Uh, we pick up the story as God is speaking to Moses from the burning bush. The Israelite cry for help has come to me, and I've seen for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you to go back. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses answered God, but why me? What makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? You see, his doubts started from the very beginning, from the moment of call. And sometimes that's true with us, isn't it? Just as soon as we're called, we begin doubting. And in this case, that, that was true. And doubt can occur all through your ministry. You have moments where you're just, why does God think I can do this? The second one, this is harder than I thought it would be. That creates exhaustion. Soon after leaving Egypt, we see Moses again. Moses took his place to judge the people. People were standing before him all day long, from morning to night. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is going on here? Why are you doing all this and all by yourself? 
letting everybody line up before you like that from morning to night. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me with questions about God. When something comes up, they come to me. I judge between a man and his, and his neighbor and teach them God's laws and instructions. Moses' father-in-law said, this is no way to go about it. You'll burn out the people right along with you. This is way too much for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. Let me tell you how to do this so that God will be in this with you. Sometimes we don't have a plan, and we end up doing everything by ourselves because we didn't have a plan and we didn't figure out a way, a good strategy. But then sometimes we do have a plan, and it doesn't help. And we're still overwhelmed by the amount of work. So Moses faced that problem too. Number three, why am I here anyway? This is a loss of vision or purpose and disillusionment. We're going to have to backtrack a little bit for this one. Um, Pharaoh as not only is not going to let the people go, he's going to make it worse for them. He has called the foreman to him and said, you not only are going to have to make this many bricks, but we're not giving you straw anymore. Now, as they leave Pharaoh, they find Moses and Aaron. The foreman said to them, May God see what you've done and judge you. You've made us stink before Pharaoh and his servants. You put a weapon in his hand and he's going to kill us. Moses went back to God. You can imagine what Moses said. My master, why are you treating this people so badly? And why did you ever send me? From the moment I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, things have only gotten worse for this people. And rescue? Does this look like rescue to you? You can hear us, can't you? You know, we, we set out and we, we're going to do what God, what we believe and know God wants us to do, and things get worse instead of better. At this moment, Moses was totally disillusioned because he had only made things worse for the people he was trying to help. Number four, I didn't know that I would be required to do this. What that really amounts to is disobedience. This is when Moses agreed to do everything but, so we go back to Moses. Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. God said, who do you think made the human mouth? Who makes some mute, some deaf, some sighted, some blind? Isn't it I, God? So get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. But Moses said, oh, Master, please send somebody else. And God got angry with Moses. But he did have Aaron go with him. Now, the really sad thing about this story is God's plan was, was not messed up. In other words, God was still going to carry out his plan. But what happened here is through his stubbornness and disobedience, Moses misses the opportunity to be empowered by God. In other words, he never really discovered what God could have done because he refused to take that step in faith. Number five, the people that God gave me. This is hurt and frustration. And now Moses is out on the desert. Moses said to God, why are you treating me this way? What did I ever do to deserve this? Did I conceive them? Was I their mother? So why dump the responsibility of this people on me? 
Why tell me to carry them around like a nursing mother, carrying them all the way to the land you promised to their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people who are whining to me? Give us meat. We want meat. I can't do this by myself. It's too much. All these people, if it's, this is how you intended to treat me, do me a favor and kill me. I've seen enough. I've had enough. Let me out of here. And that was Moses' cry to quit the ministry. Right there. Now, there's a point that comes long before Moses does cries to get out of the ministry or before, uh, before we do, before we get discouraged, disillusioned. And that is a point in preparation where we all dream about what ministry is going to be like. This dream may be nothing like what God intends, but it gives us hope and motivates us to continue. There are parts of the dream that are inspired by God. For instance, you've been called to preach. You know that God wants you to teach. You know that God wants you to go to the mission field. All of those things, God says that to you. But then we tend to embellish it a little bit. I really don't think that Moses' dream included all the things that happened. He had a dream, but I don't think that he included the bricks without straw, the 40 years, the golden calf, the whining and complaining. I just don't think that that's how Moses envisioned rescuing the people. Probably he thought something more like this. He was going to lead the people out of Egypt, a committed, harmonious group, heading straight across the desert and settling in the promised land to live happily ever after. (laughs) Admit it, when you came to NBC, you had a dream in your mind. It gets real quiet at that point. (laughs) Okay, this idea, I'm going to just use my imagination here, and I'm thinking that... It included a smooth transition. No one had ever moved so easily. Flying through your classes, academics, no problem to you. Every need being met, and you would be hired before your senior year ever ended. I remember my dream. As I was preparing to go into ministry, I dreamed that I was going to be an integral part of a large church staff, directing the preschool and leading the way and helping the pastor understand the importance of the preschool ministry in the overall ministry of the church. Did this happen? Well, yes and no. The part of the dream that God gave me did. I did direct a preschool in a large church, and that did make me a staff member, but I was not integral. And I never convinced that pastor that the preschool could be a ministry. Am I disappointed that my embellished dream didn't come true? Yes. Did my ruined dream make me want to leave the ministry? I know you all want me to say, no, I never wanted to leave the ministry. I did. Especially after they let me go for my unwillingness to to ignore state licensing requirements. Do I wish I'd never dreamed it? No. My dream is still in my heart. 
And that is why I have spent the rest of my ministry carrying the banner for Christian School Ministries. I am who I am because of my hurt and disappointment, not despite it. Let me repeat that in just a little bit different way. I am who I am because of tribulation, not in spite of it. You see, for many years, I really thought just the opposite. I said, I'm in the ministry today in spite of all the things that have happened to me that made me want to quit. I never saw the hurts and the disappointments and the dead dreams and the frustrations and the exhaustion as part of who I was becoming. I knew that God had helped me through all those trials, and it was by his grace that I had not succumbed to the big five. But I really didn't understand. What brought this home to me was I was just driving down Academy one day. We've all done that. Just minding my own business. And God spoke to me through a song. It was a song by Sarah Groves. Now, I'm going to read the lyrics of that, um, but that doesn't, its songs just don't come across very well. So I've taken a little bit of liberty with it, and uh, I think you'll get the essence of it. It's been a hard year, but I'm climbing out of the rubble. These lessons are hard, and healing changes are subtle. But every day, it's less like tearing, more like building. Less like captive, more like willing. Less like breakdown, more like surrender. Less like haunting, more like remember. Less like a prison, more like my room. Less like a casket, more like a womb. Less like dying, more like transcending. Less like fear, less like ending. Just a little while ago, I couldn't feel the power or the hope. I couldn't cope. I couldn't feel a thing. Just a little while back, I was desperate, broken, laid out, hoping you would come. And I know you're here, and you're picking up the pieces. Forever faithful. It seemed out of my hands a bad, bad situation. But you were able, and in your hands, the pain and hurt look less like scars and more like character. Less like scars and more like character. And at that moment, God spoke to me, and I understood that that was really true. That it wasn't scars, it was character that was developing. I knew that God had healed me and through the, tri- through the trials, and it was by his grace that I had not succumbed to leaving the ministry. But I really didn't understand that I'm a- I am who I am because of the tribulation, not in spite of it. God, in his own incomprehensible way, was building character. Turn with me. That was just my introduction. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Turn to me, with me to Romans 5, 1 through 5. And I'm reading uh, from the New American Standard. But, but as a, if you have a different version, look at the words. Because it, I, looked at, I looked at every version and... And they all, the words were so wonderful, I had a really hard time choosing which one I wanted to use. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand. We exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations 
brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I also wrote it with synonyms. Sometimes I like to do that. It's almost like an amplified Bible, but you just do it right there on your computer with your synonyms, um, with your thesaurus. And, and it's just the words are so wonderful. Listen to them. And not only this, I'm just taking that middle verse. And not only this, but we also exult, glory, revel, take pride, triumph, and rejoice in our tri- tribulations, evils, harms, troubles, and problems, knowing that tribulations bring about endurance, perseverance, firmness, resolve, and determination, and endurance, proven character, and moral fiber, and proven character, hope, trust, expectation, and anticipation. Isn't that wonderful? That's a far cry from the list, isn't it? Well, really, the problem with the list is that it's the wrong statements. I really am not adequate for the task, should be, I believe that God is able to make me able to accomplish what he has called me to do. This is harder than I thought it should be. Should be. I believe God can either give me the strength, the plan, or the help that I need to accomplish what he has called me to do. Why am I here anyway should be, I believe God called me and gave me a vision and a purpose. I can continue to believe even when it does not turn out like my dream. I didn't know I would be required to do that. Should be. I am willing to go wherever God leads me and do whatever he asks me to do. The people that God gave me are too much pain and trouble. Should be. It is exactly this pain and trouble that God called me to. And in the midst of it, I will develop character. Why? Because tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. Proven is sometimes translated as tempered. I'm going to read a description of steel that is being tempered. And as I read this, think about character. The steel is subjected to very high temperatures, up to 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, for sustained periods together with prescribed cooling-off periods. This process transforms the internal molecular structure of the steel to a denser and more uniform state. It is, however, very brittle and breaks easily. To add flexibility and strength, the steel is subjected to controlled reheating and cooling, but at a much lower temperature. This procedure is called tempering. It serves to add toughness, although it does slightly decrease the hardness at the same time. Isn't that really what character is? I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been going through this process for about 30 plus years. And I am who I am today because of it, not despite it. In other words, the steel does not become tempered despite the process. It becomes tempered because of the process. And this is why we exult in our tribulations. Because, and I'm going to say it again, tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But proven character cannot happen without the heat. It just can't happen. And God's love is the flame. It provides warmth in the time of need. 
It searches the depths of our soul. It purifies us as we live. It builds endurance. It tempers our character and gives us hope. Several years ago, there was a song that soloists sang often, and it talked about the refiner's fire becoming our soul's desire. One line in the song always made me pause. No matter what I may lose, I choose the refiner's fire. I always wondered, do I really want the refiner's fire? What would need to happen so that my character would be tempered like steel? It is not a glib, I want to be like Jesus. It's a commitment to follow God's call to a place which may be very unlike our dreams. Are we willing to continue the path that God has chosen for us when we are exhausted, disillusioned, frustrated, and hurt? Or do we want to disobey because we doubt ourselves in God? Can we understand that it's only through the fire that our character can be proven? Can we come to the point of realizing that we are in the ministry because of the very things that make us want to quit, not in spite of those things? In conclusion, I'm going to put the words to the song on the overhead. And I would like us to just stand and read that together. Uh, But think about it as you read it. Are you willing to commit? And believe me, I have learned over the years what that commitment meant. And are, are we really willing to commit ourselves to that refiner's fire? The refiner's fire has now become my soul desire, purged and cleansed and purified, that the Lord be glorified. He's consuming my soul, refining, making me whole. No matter what I may lose, I choose the refiner's fire. There burns a fire with sacred heat, white hot with holy flame, and all who dare pass through its blaze will not emerge the same. Some as bronze and some as silver, some as gold, and then with great skill, all are hammered by their sufferings on the anvil of his will. I'm learning now to trust his touch, to crave the fire's embrace, and though my past with sin was etched, his mercies did erase. Each time his plunging goosings deeper, I'm not sure that I'll survive. Yet the strength in growing weaker keeps my hungry soul alive.